This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 127 Haunted Holidays Story 1 Ding Dong Damon Just two weeks before Christmas of 1878, Edward F. Smith was up late, relaxing by the fireplace in his Brooklyn, New York home, when the silence was broken by the ringing of his doorbell. A bit weary of a visitor at such a late hour, he timidly approached the door and called out, Who's there? When no answer came back, he inched it open to find nothing but an empty stoop. To Edward's great distress, This soon became a nightly occurrence. Whether he was asleep or awake, each night near midnight, the doorbell would ring through the house, and he would answer the door, only to find no sign of anyone having been there. After the sixth night of this, Smith was determined to reveal the trickster. He sprinkled a thin covering of ash and flour on his front stoop, but the next night when he answered the increasingly insistent ringing, he found the lair of powder entirely undisturbed. Soon the ringing doorbell progressed to belligerent banging on the doors. The source of mischief seemed to multiply as the banging and ringing started to occur simultaneously. Finally, on Christmas Eve, Smith contacted the police. With a handful of policemen watching the house and two staying inside the home, the phenomenon occurred right on time. They stood in awe as the pounding spread from the door throughout the house. The doorbell's rings came in such quick succession that they transformed into a single continuous high-pitched whine. Suddenly the cacophony fell silent. and the front window shattered in on Smith and the officers as a mere 200-pound chunk of mortar and brick crashed directly into his front room. The officers outside saw nothing. No perpetrator. No one had any explanation for the source of the enormous projectile. The phantom ditcher never bothered Smith again after that. And while the police investigated thoroughly for weeks the case was ultimately relegated to the annals of bizarre Brooklyn legend. Story 2 Fifi, the Christmas Ghost Clown On December 24th, 1890, David Fee, 
a young up-and-coming journalist in Victoria, British Columbia, walked the short distance between the costume party where he had just celebrated his 21st birthday and the church where he was expected to meet his parents for evening mass. He had spent his evening dressed as Fifi the Christmas Clown, a character that he had enjoyed creating and playing each year on his birthday. It was a particularly mild winter that year, and he had opted to walk the twelve blocks, jumping at the chance to clear his head between the two disparate activities. He had always considered being born on Christmas Eve to be good luck, but that day had proven his theory wrong. Misfortune seemed to be following him all evening long. Unfortunately, the Fee family would soon find this to be the theme for their entire holiday season. Just two blocks from St. Andrew's Cathedral, the evening took an even less expected turn. When the midnight bell rang through the streets, ushering in the joyous Christmas day and reminding Fifi just how late he was, he stepped up his pace. The young man in full white clown regalia began jogging toward the cathedral that towered over the surrounding buildings. With eyes locked on the high Victorian Gothic monolith, he had no chance of noticing a strange, haggard man who had stepped out of the bushes just ahead of him. David's true features matched the look of surprise painted over them as he heard, You challenged me? from up ahead. His eyes met the man's just before he realized that a double barrel was leveled directly at him. His voice caught in his shocked throat, and before he could clear it, the man fired. He perished within moments. It would come out later that the man had mistaken Fee for another whom he had been quarreling with. Ever since that night, on Christmas Eve, a deafening shotgun blast can often be heard following the midnight bell, and the ghostly phantom of a clown has been witnessed frantically retracing the last leg of his journey from celebration to worship. It appears as though a simple case of mistaken identity has damned this spirit to exist in a constant state of frenzy, all too aware that he will never reach his destination. Story 3 A Mistletoe Bride Christmas, 1727, Bramshill House, Hampshire, England. Anne Cope, the daughter of the prominent British soldier Sir John Cope, has just wed Hugh Bethel of Yorkshire, It is a truly joyous occasion, and the magnificent Jacobean prodigy house reflects it. Room after ornate room is strewn with an additional layer of finery. White and blue lace and banner hang from every available post and over every doorway as the post-nuptial merriment begins. Tradition dictates that the best man should steal away with the bride, and her new husband would be responsible for finding her somewhere in the truly massive English country manner. And so the best man follows tradition. He whisks young Anne up the nearest stairway to the third floor, and as they approach the first corner, her enthusiasm for the game overtakes her, and suddenly it's more like she is leading him. They round the first corner, and the firm grasp he holds her hands in is suddenly holding nothing. He runs up the hall, convinced that he'll see her around the next bend. Nothing. 
she is nowhere to be found. Still attempting to keep up the merry atmosphere, he races back to the top of the stairs and yells to the wedding party below, You have a bride, but you'll never find her. If he only understood how prophetic those words would become. The wedding party searched for Anne deep into the night, with no sign of her. By the following morning, the entire house staff and family were searching the 57,000-square-foot mansion, along with its 260-acre grounds. They searched for nearly a month before finally calling off the efforts and entering a period of mourning. Her young husband, Hugh, never gave up. He famously resisted the family's push to mourn her, insisting that she was simply lost, even years after her disappearance. Exactly 50 years later, while celebrating Christmas of 1777, Hugh, now nearing 70 years old, stole away from the festivities to once again walk the halls of Bramshill House in search of his lost bride. After an hour of searching, he came upon a door that was new to him. This made no sense, but there it was. He pushed the door open, and before him, in a small closet, sat a large wooden chest. A heavy feeling overtook him as he retrieved a letter opener from the table in the hall and popped the chest's simple lock. Throwing the lid open, he was horrified to discover the skeletal remains of his bride, still wearing her white lace dress, with a sprig of mistletoe in her hair. Ever since that fateful night, whenever snow falls over the estate, the third story of Bramshill House is haunted by a ghostly woman in white. The smell of sweet confections fills the hallway, just before the apparition can be seen searching for a place to hide. Story 4 Merry Christmas, Alcatraz Alcatraz, the isolated penitentiary located in the middle of California's San Francisco Bay, closed its doors forever in 1963. Since its closure, stories of the floating dungeon's inhabitants, both living and dead, have haunted generations of visitors and onlookers. Through terrifying tales of phantom prisoners, slamming cell doors, and ghostly lights floating above the secluded stronghold, Alcatraz has gained a reputation for anomalous phenomena of all varieties. But these legends didn't begin when it closed. One of the most noteworthy of those encounters took place in the heyday of operations, on Christmas... 1943. It was a particularly brutal winter, and Warden James A. Johnston decided that a Christmas party was just what the staff needed to boost morale and strengthen their collective resolve to get through the most difficult time of the year. And so the staff were to meet up at the boarding house that he called home. The party was a big hit, but once it dwindled down to a small group sitting Reminiscing around a Ben Franklin stove in the den, the holiday horror began. In classic Christmas tradition, two guards were sharing a bizarre experience with the group. They detailed a story of a phantom figure 
who had appeared before them on their cell block, wearing a gray suit, brimmed cap, and sporting mutton-chopped sideburns. As the pair told their tale, it was impossible to ignore the sudden temperature drop in the room. Just as the group began to huddle closer to the room's solitary heat source, the formerly roaring fire inside the stove was extinguished all at once, leaving the men with nothing more than meager moonlight drifting in through the salt-washed windows. The warden, in an attempt to save what remained of his party, stood to relight the stove. It was then that the moonlight seemed to intensify. The group turned toward the largest window, just as something began to form just inside it. A collective gasp pulled the air from the room as the thing that now shared it with them came into focus. Gray suit, brimmed cap, and a heavy set of mutton-chop sideburns. That's him! A guard muttered from the rear of the group. It was then that seven of the hardest men in the history of corrections shot up out of their seats and ran from the room and into the harsh winter. Seven gray wool coats hung on the coat rack just inside the open door that now swung erratically in the winter wind. Snow drifted into that open door nearly a foot deep before a single man worked up the courage to retrieve them. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. You infected me with your NPR tone. I figured, since we're telling nice Christmas tales, we should be, you know, just... I'm at a loss. Warm. Warm. <laughs> warm. We should yeah. be warm. Warm it calls and for a nice calm warm tone. And... So gather around the campfire or your fireplace. A makeshift fireplace. Just build a fire in your living room. Don't do that. You'll die. <laughs> Leave a window open, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. For exhaust. Yeah, Texas. Open the fucking window. <laughs> And uh, make Jesus a cup Murphy. of cocoa or tea or coffee. Mm, tea. Any of the you above. You know what I like in the winter? Or just some, some warm I like a water. Nice... <laughs> some warm water. <laughs> Jesus. In the winter, I like a nice blackberry cinnamon herbal tea. Mm. It's delicious. Mm. It's so good. Okay. I have a few different brands that, that I go to for that. Nice. It's that combination something about it just like screams winter comfort to me i mean i do like blackberry yeah it's a good flavor that's funny you opened with such like a calm warm tone because i was fully planning on opening the episode by basically yelling happy holidays (laughs) oh happy holidays happy holidays campers we're in it happy holidays (laughs) Nailed it. Sorry if hopefully. you turned up the volume before and then... <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully, I've caught you off guard. Oh, man. And with that, As let's the holidays get right have, The holidays have caught me off guard, honestly, on a personal note. I feel like this year went by in a snap. Oh, my God, yes. It, I, it doesn't make any sense to me at all that it's almost Christmas. Yeah, no... Um, 
Yeah, it's what? I mean, we're in to double digits. Yeah, to Christmas right now. And that's just terrifying because this year has went by extremely fast. Yeah. And it's just a constant reminder of our impending demise. (laughs) Yeah. There's a cheerful holiday thought for you. (laughs) If you know, if you're in the Midwest and you're dealing with 18 hours of darkness like we are, then you're probably already well aware. I don't probably already been reminded enough. I mean, as much as, you know, I don't like walking outside at 5 p.m. and it looks like midnight, but I'll take that over the snow and the ice that is definitely coming (sighs) in January and February. Yes. Yeah. I know I saw some long range predictions like long range forecast stuff the other night and it made me very sad because january and february are supposed to be like the coldest months we've had in the last 10 years well that's awful because i'm supposed to be traveling in february yeah insane precipitation (sighs) levels we're supposed to have like a super brutal winter in january and february yep well i'm gonna choose to end the episode here (laughs) Good night, everyone. No, for real. Just get ready for it. (laughs) Yeah, do those things. Oh, man. I am not ready for that whatsoever. That is just... Yeah, it's supposed to be brutal, man. That is nothing that I want to be a part of. Yeah. Maybe my impending demise is sooner than I thought. I mean, like, astronomical winter doesn't even start until the 22nd. Or astrological Sorry, astrological winter doesn't start until December 22nd. But I generally think of winter as December, January, February. Right? Like those are the Agreed. the standard winter months. Yeah. Yeah. And but it's I, been very mild so far. It has, but I know it's always January and February are always the worst. Yep. But for the last like couple of years, March has been in there too. That's true. Yep. I think Sometimes we had like April. six inches of snow on the ground uh, on Mother's Day last year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is stupid. It's not supposed to be that way. I remember as a kid, like, March came around and I was like, oh, yeah. It's getting warm again. Yeah. Shorts and a t shirt again. Yeah. Come Easter, everybody's out there in summer clothes. Yeah. Not anymore. No. I. Like, when my kids were little, we would take them to those stupid fucking Easter egg hunt things that they have at parks and churches and all that, where it's like 150 kids out there yeah, looking for eggs and everyone gets three, you know? I hope they um, at least win something. Not really. It gives them something um, to do at least. Yeah. That's fair. But, like, when they were little, they would... Almost every Easter when my kids were little, they would have to wear coats and it wasn't, it wouldn't be snowy, but it was always mud. We were always dealing with mud. Uh, yeah. Cause it was just, it was all recently, recently melted snow and the ground is, the grass is all still fucked from being covered in snow for three months yep. and like just mud everywhere. There were literally times when I had to hose my kids off before they came in after Easter egg hunts. It's better than trekking through an icy tundra. I guess. 
Yeah, who wants to hide Easter eggs in the in a snowbank? <laughs> That's a bummer. They just toss them out and they just sit on top of the snow. All right, kids, yeah, have at it. Exactly. Yep. You have to start getting creative, hiding them in the tailpipes of cars that are running and heating up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's weird because in the Midwest we have we essentially have two winters. We, I think technically we have like seven, but like, yeah. it's always, cause I always complain that it's colder during Halloween than it was when we were kids. The end of October is always colder. We always get like a little shot of winter. Like, look fuckers, it's coming. Yeah. You know that's, what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. But then it warms up in November and December. And then we get wrecked again in January, February and March. I mean, for example, yesterday it was in the sixties. And today yeah, it was barely raining. 30. Right. Yeah. That's true. I know I this morning I walked by my computer and, you know, it has the little, like, weather widget yeah. on it. And it said 51 and cloudy. And I was like, cool, I just need a light jacket. And I walked out. And I realized when I came back and it was dark outside, I walked by my computer and it still said 51 and cloudy. And I was like, oh, this is frozen. <laughs> like this hasn't updated yeah because it was cold as fuck today yeah like, it was i maybe just because i walked out expecting it to be 50 and then got hit with like 35 degrees and i'm pretty sure it was flurrying at some point Either that it was a very yeah, misty a rain but it seemed like it was flurries yeah we had a little mixed as they call it <sighs> a little mixed precipitation There's no mixed about it that's snow <laughs> i think some people call it sleet or freezing rain but it's still snow i think that's where we were yeah i don't like it it'll kill you while you're driving just as quick yeah exactly yeah so So you want to talk about some ghost stories yeah yeah let's do it ding dong damon yeah said stefan um (laughs) quit it (laughs) i um (laughs) i i like the idea of this because it used to be like it used to be standard tradition to tell ghost stories around Christmas. Like, that was just part of culture widely. Christmas was, was, was basically was the, the second Halloween. Stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like, I mean, honestly, like, it started as, like, an oral tradition because in the winter, during the winter months, people had to stop working earlier and come home, and they have all these, like, leisure hours that they spend in the house. And it's cold, so they're all around the fire in their house. So they would end up telling, like, spooky ghost stories around the fireplace. In their house? In the winter. Yeah. Oh. And then, um, (laughs) yeah, in their house. Um, And then that got, like, adopted during the Industrial Revolution. That's when it, like, became books, right? That's, like, when it started getting printed with the printing press. Yeah. But, like, people were people were fleeing their like little towns and villages into cities but they wanted that like old tradition so they they started buying the the books and that's how we ended up with like a christmas carol yeah like that's that was like standard dickens wrote like a spooky ass ghost story for and it became one of the christmas stories you know i mean shit the muppets made a version i mean everybody's made a version version. (laughs) <laughs> Some argue the Muppets version is the best version. Yeah. You like a Muppet Christmas 
a Muppet. I think it's called a Muppet Christmas Carol. I think it's something like that. Um, I mean, yeah, as a kid, I, I was really into the Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. Who was your Who was your Muppet? Ooh, see, that's tough. I mean, I liked Kermit because you know he was he was pretty much just like the showrunner. Yeah, he was he was, yeah. the, he was the main yeah. guy. Um, but uh, oh my god, why can't I think of a uh, what's the 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 Swiss guy? Oh, the chef. Yeah, I forget his name too. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, the one that does the highly offensive Swedish accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him too. Yeah. Um, with the great mustache. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 I was always a I was always a Gonzo kid. I liked Gonzo a lot. The blue one with the turned down nose. His nose uh, is like okay. a downward hook. And I liked uh Beaker. Oh yeah. Beaker yeah. was super cool too. The That's scientist fair. with yep. no no chin. <laughs> yeah. I liked him a lot too. Yeah. You know what I don't often think about? What? The Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My wife is a huge Muppets fan. Really? Like huge. Yeah. So like when we first started dating, one of my first experiences, my wife and I's first date ever, she brought her brother along. <laughs> that tells you how confident she was in us, you know, connecting. Um, yeah. But the whole, like, I didn't know that. That's, we that's were riding. Strange. Yeah. Agreed. So <laughs> we were um, riding to the nearest large city, large being a relative term. Um, and the whole way there, I had to listen to her and her brother sing Muppet songs in the car. They were like playing them on the stereo in the car and singing <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and that's at, weird. At like 20 years old, 19 or 20 years old, I was just sitting in the back seat of this car going, what the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> Like, this girl is so much weirder than I thought she was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you yep. didn't just be like, you mind letting me out? Or yeah, whenever you reach your, your destination, <laughs> just to call for a ride home. Yeah. Just slip out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, and, there was you clearly know, something there. Yeah, obviously. Like, But to this day, I have to deal with the fact that my wife is one of the only human beings I've ever met. Her brother is also one of these people that listens to songs frequently because they're bad. Like, <laughs> she is a person who listens to things intentionally because they're shitty. I mean, I can... she thinks it's funny. I can get behind that a little bit. Like, uh, I, I found a couple things that are really not great, but they're so terrible that they're actually good. One yeah. particular is called a song called Yee Yee. <laughs> okay. Uh, by, I, I think the group is called Homegrown and it's like country rap. And then, oh, my least favorite crossover. And then there's <laughs> this, uh, there's this pop star named Popstar Nima. Okay. And he's brilliant, flamboyantly oh, yeah? gay. Sure. And he's taught, like, he talks about. Uh, there's a, there's a line in the song where he talks about putting sandwiches where dicks go. 
Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't go into any like more, that. but if you're interested, look him up. He's yeah. he's amazing. For my birthday one year, I it got kinda... uh, a bright pink pop star Nima shirt and his album. Awesome. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. What was that band we used to listen to? That the was Pansy like Division. That. Yeah, yeah, the Pansy Division. <laughs> Have, super gay songs in a fucking awesome band. There was the line of that one song. I was like, who's that super dude I saw you with that afternoon? Skin tight bike suit like a ripe yummy fruit. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was a yes. big Pansy Division fan, that's for sure. Yeah. They were so good. Was so good. They were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. But see, like, I, I Honestly, I, I like... Yeah. I... Also, you're a you're a horror a horror movie guy, and to do that, you have to be able to find ways to enjoy things that suck. I mean, <laughs> you know, what, I mean that that sounds kind of shitty. No, but you know I, what but I, mean. I get it. Like, Watching like terrible horror movies is like a pastime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something unique about horror movie people is like they find a way to enjoy those like really low budget, just dog shit movies. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean that's fair. It's yeah. essential. It is. It is. I agree. So Muppets. Yeah. I'm she. Yeah. So she's she's a big Muppet fan. A big Muppet fan. <laughs> she has like graphic novels. Muppet graphic novels. I didn't even know yeah. that was a thing. Yep, that's oh. definitely a thing. She has like half a shelf on a bookshelf filled with Muppet graphic novels. Do any of them get like really dark? Yeah, like they do adult they themed. do get dark yes yep that's yeah. sweet we're like kermit the, ben's miss piggy over and <laughs> no there's none of that oh. <laughs> not not that sort of adult theme. and gives her a birthday present yeah or a cupcake get frogged <laughs> <laughs> oh kermit Dude, people shit on kermit like no could it <laughs> People shit on Kermit, like when people say that he's their favorite, but I think he's a solid choice. Yeah, Kermit, I agree. Kermit's pretty awesome. Yeah, but yeah, the, some of the graphic novels get pretty dark, like weird dark. Yeah, you know what I mean. I can imagine. I can like, imagine. Yeah, they're good though. So getting back to Ding Dong Damon. Yeah, yeah, we can we can get into the stories now. I just wanted to talk a little bit about how like this used to be a tradition and it sort of like we've came away from it for a long time. I think we need to bring it I back. I think when like when I agree cuz when Christmas started being like a marketing opportunity. Yeah. When it when it all got capitalized, they sort of like we sort of dropped the the spooky at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thing. We traded we traded ghosts and goblins for fucking polar bears wearing Coca-Cola scarves. But I mean, we still have our traditions and things like that, which is, you know, that's uh, this what this is. But this just, I don't know, it's never been a tradition in my, in my family to tell horror stories for Christmas. And it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, in fact, <laughs> I'm saying today. On Christmas Eve, I'm going to make my kids sit and listen to a ghost story on Christmas Eve. I do I think like I said to, Christmas Eve twice. I like to watch Christmas <laughs> horror movies, though. Yeah? Like Black Christmas um, and all the terrible the versions and variations and, of Krampus. Yeah. 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 The um, Santa Slay. Asher's. 
Yeah. Asher's from um, On Wednesdays We Talk Weird. Yeah. Which is a great show. You should go check it out. Um, she's been recently, like, reviewing a holiday movie every day. Nice. On her socials. And she's done a bunch of those, like, Christmas horror movies. Yeah. And I I don't know. I You know me. I struggle with horror in the first place. So, like, when you add, like, a even campier you know hat on top of right. it it sort of it doesn't really intrigue me a whole lot but some of the krampus ones i've heard are pretty good there was a as a kid there was a jack frost movie not um not like the the homie you know love boy yeah. loses dad jack frost but like about I that it's like black and well it was the snowman and... that like comes to life and he just like starts killing and murdering oh. everybody in the town yeah, I remember that. The snowman has, like, sharp teeth. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. I'm having, that like, was, visual that flashes That was super of killer. It, but... Like, I loved that one. So I guess maybe maybe there's they... sort of a tradition of watching Christmas horror movies, but not telling yeah, the story. Yeah, that's close. Yeah. Related. I would say for sure. so. Unfortunately, I don't have a fireplace, so I'm going to have to, like, turn on one of those 12-hour YouTube <laughs> fireplace things. Yes. Yeah on the on the on the old apple tv and uh just crowd my kids around to listen to a ghost story on christmas eve hey they work you know they do i often put them on when i'm reading if i'm just reading just to have a little ambient noise in the background it's nice i have a gas fireplace and i prefer to put on a fake one on the tv because i don't have to turn on the real one and get hot yeah that's fair so yeah, <laughs> that's fair. They they serve their purpose. Yeah. So so ding dong Damon ding dong Damon, yeah. I like this. I mean, it's that it's just that that over and over and over like thing. Like you know, this guy's basically being tormented nightly by something that's not there. Yeah, or is it? I like how it ramps up over right. time yeah you know what i mean that's classic poltergeist behavior and i especially like that he like tried to like trick it and put out the the powder or whatever it was yeah. you know so yeah. i mean yeah that's a, that's a great idea for sure i but at first when i was reading this when i was when i was reading about this story and i saw ash and flower i was like what the fuck who just has like a mixture of ash and flower but here's what i imagine happened he went to get flower and he ran out of flour. There wasn't enough flour to cover the whole stoop. So he went and got ashes from his fireplace yeah. and finished the job with that. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, that I like that sense. too, that he was like trying to lay like a home alone trap for mm-hmm. a poltergeist. Which I mean, a yeah. lot of people do to like try and like get footsteps, you know, like, which is something I've always, yep. I've thought about doing because I was, I was sitting with my dog earlier today um, and I was just, it's sitting on my bed. We weren't. I wasn't even watching TV or anything. I think I was looking at my phone. All of a sudden, I hear a footstep, and he like perks up and starts barking. Yeah. I go out there. There's nothing to be nothing to be found. Weird. So yeah. he heard it too. Yeah. Like he immediately jumped up and like was barking right away. Good boy. Yeah. I. Yeah. He is. He's a good boy. Yeah. So, so needless one to say, of the yeah. interesting things. One of the interesting things about this story is it's fully legitimized. Like this story was reported on in the New York Times over multiple articles. Um 
and some interesting tidbits. After the ghost seemed to vanish, so the whole thing lasted about three weeks. Okay. After it vanished, um, the address, 136 Clinton Avenue, it had been inundated by gawkers as well as spiritualists, right? Of course, because this was reported on in the New York Times. So, and this is fucking what year is this? Yes. What did you say? Late 19th century. 1878. Or 1878, yeah. Yeah. So, spiritualist movement alive. (laughs) The spiritualist movement was alive and well on the East Coast during this time period. So, they like flocked to it and they're basically, they were trying to, they were like begging him for access to do seances and do paranormal investigations and stuff in his house, right? Some things never change. And, um, and, uh, reportedly, Mr. Smith would have none of it. He said, quote, They won't get in here. We consider ourselves perfectly able to take care of any ghost that comes along. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So he was a hard ass about it. Even after having, like, hundreds of pounds of fucking mortar thrown through his window at him. Hey, I mean, at least he acknowledges. He didn't say that they weren't ghosts. No, he he believed fully that it was a ghost. But he just didn't need that outside help. Yeah. He's like, I can handle it. Um, A follow-up story published the next month in the Times confirmed that the noisy ghost had not returned. Though that had not deterred the throngs of spiritualists who conducted, quote, semi-seances on the sidewalk. I'm not surprised. Yes. I know. People do that all, especially in, like, uh, New Orleans. Yeah. There are so many of those classically haunted spots that you're not allowed to go in. Like, right. no public access is granted. So people will literally go and do, like, tarot readings and shit on the sidewalk outside the house. People are nuts, dude. Like, <laughs> it's it's wild. They've, they've got to the get a piece of it. For fuck's sake. Right. Yeah. The, um, the police had to periodically disperse the crowds. And at one point, Captain McLaughlin was, was bit on the fingers by a quote one powerful german who refused to move <laughs> nice yeah one powerful german a, um, that's right one powerful german a possible source for the haunting suggested by locals was a lawyer who allegedly committed suicide in the house oh. smith however had now decided the culprit was satan himself and Damn. claimed to have driven him off with a quote long and earnest prayer. Yeah. <laughs> so was that was the his Lord's position. prayer. Probably. It is fairly long and extremely earnest. Yeah. <laughs> that, that it <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> the um the police, while not prepared to accept the devil hypothesis, were ready to swear that this is a quote. The police were ready to swear that they have heard and seen the startling demonstrations, and they are morally certain that it is beyond all human probability that any earthly hands pulled the bell, pounded on the doors, or threw the or threw the bricks through the dining room window. Well, so even the police were like, "This is this was not a person. This was definitely you a don't ghost. get a, you don't get that a lot. Police like recognition or." These like reports where yeah. they actually state like, yeah, I think this may be what this is, or this couldn't have been yeah. anything else, sort of, you know. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's 
it's super rare um for them to even go on record with a paper i know like times were different back then it was people were a lot quicker to say to believe yeah in anything in general you know what i mean but back then people didn't expect their politicians or their lawmen to be like these stoic thing like stoic beings with no beliefs and no personal sway you know what i mean no biases like they do now mm-hmm. yeah well, that's fair that's fair well that's cool i i didn't know that uh yeah like they actually acknowledged this and yeah i think that makes the story that much yeah because you know obviously that much more believable for sure yeah for sure because i mean policemen were actually there on the night the bricks right this huge you know thing of bricks came through the window so it's pretty cool it is that's awesome one last point on this story Oddly, the very detailed record of the address's ownership in the landmark report doesn't mention an Edward F. Smith. In 1878, the property was owned by leather merchant William Mannheim. However, throughout its history, the property was frequently leased to tenants, which might explain Smith's presence. Ah. So, I think he never owned the building, but he was living there during the time. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they, like, tried to poo-poo the story because that because he never owned the building Mm -hmm. but the newspaper articles are irrefutable they were written you know what i mean yeah and um and the address was reported so he was probably a renter Mm -hmm. yeah because i mean that doesn't have to be like i mean especially at that point that didn't have to be like public whatever on who was renting out the property it was just under the ownership right yeah just a handshake deal usually for rental situations Boy, I miss those days. <laughs> yeah. Long gone are the days of that. And the other day I was, as always, watching Little House on the Prairie, right? Oh, and um, and there's a scene where a guy comes into town and he's like, it's two guys and one of them isn't feeling what well. he's like. He has something wrong with him. And um, they're like is there a boarding house in town that we could stay at? And they're like, the, the guy who owns the, the mill is like, no, there's no boarding house, but, um, I have a, I have a house for rent right outside town. And he's like, oh, that'd be great. How much? And he's like, $15 for the month. (laughs) And he's like, and he's like, he just takes out $15 and he's like, all right, great. And he just, they just go to the house and live there now. <laughs> like, <laughs> deal done. That would be, that would be sweet. Yeah. So, you, you wonder why I watch the show so much. Oh. I, I've, I've <sighs> not seen times. it since I was a child. So I can't really, like, knock on you for watching it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just, it's silly. But I also watch some funny like stuff myself, so, yeah. Also, I just like old shit. I mean, that's fair. I like, yeah. Like that's my that's my comfort watches are all things that I watched when I was a little kid. Yeah, you know what I mean. Even even movies. Like the other night, I put on like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and just <laughs> fell asleep to listening to Al Pacino angrily sell property to people. Like, it's just I like I like old shit. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. All right. So you want to move on to the the next story? 
Fucking weirdo. Yeah. So, okay. So he's born on Christmas Eve, and this was 1890, I think is what I had. And hopefully I have that date right. Was yep. when this Christmas is Eve. this happens. Yeah, Christmas Eve, 1890. Yep. And so he was born on Christmas Eve, yeah. And so he dressed up as a clown for his birthday, like any specific purpose or reason. Yeah, that's just what he liked to do at his birthday parties. He's he like the clown, clown around for his birthday parties. Yeah, I guess so. All right. This is the original Juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> Fifi the ghost clown. And so he had gotten done doing something. His part. Just celebrating his birthday party. Okay. And then he was on his yep. way to the cathedral. Yep. To meet his parents for evening mass for Christmas Eve. Right. Okay. I assume he was going to change clothes when he got there, but you never know. <laughs> he just walks in, Fifi in the house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Swing that incense. And so, like, he's he's getting, so what, time, time, time he's getting close to it, so he, he starts booking it. And then this yep. guy just happens to step out of the bush and blast him in the face? Yeah. Uh, like, reportedly, it was, like, it was a homeless guy. He, like, just sort of like a vagrant character. Okay. He had had an argument with someone else the ev- earlier in the evening, and he assumed that that person was, like, coming back to to get him, to, like, fight with him. Because this dude was just running toward him. Apparently, he was... The other guy he was arguing with was also dressed as a clown. <laughs> I don't know how you... <laughs> I don't know how you mistake a person for someone in clown makeup, but yeah, who knows what he was under the influence of as a vagrant in the 1890s, right? And also, he just was like, yeah, I meant to kill somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Well, he thought he was being attacked. Oh. Like when the guy's running toward him. He was running at me. Yeah. Yeah. So I shot him in the face. Yeah. Imagine you could just go out on like a jogging path. And just go get for wrecked. It. Anyone who runs toward you, <laughs> I thought I was being attacked. <laughs> uh, don't do that. It's bad. You've killed like 10 um, people that day. Yeah, exactly. I've just been minding my own business. So, they keep running at me. And now, here at this cathedral, people have reported hearing the shotgun blast right after that midnight bell from the cathedral. They hear it, like, on Christmas Eve, when that Christmas midnight bell rings, a shotgun blast. And they do, like, they have, like, the ghost tour, the local ghost tour Mm -hmm. in town covers this, is one of the things they cover. And they've had, like, tons of sightings of, like... A clown man? This, yeah, a ghost (laughs) clown. This is what I want to do. I want to go and dress up as a clown on Christmas Eve and just hang out outside the cathedral. I'm sure people do. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm guaranteed people cosplay this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It would be pretty hilarious. Yeah. That's probably all the sightings. Just people sit on the seeing People trolling. Yeah, it could be. It definitely could be. You actually just, like, walk sit up on the steps and, with your legs crossed, smoking a cigar. Yeah, <laughs> or you just walk up and there's like 50 others already sitting there. <laughs> You're like, damn it. <laughs> I had the same idea, huh? 
Get in line, uh, buddy. This is my thing. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to put in for it for like a tag for a doll sheep. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, like there isn't a ton of info on this yeah. story. There's there was an That's article pretty straightforward I posted think. that was basically just this kid got shot. Yeah, that's the article. Um, Look, a boy. Slam. Yeah, there there. Yeah, there are tons of sightings to this day though of the the clown and of course the the shotgun blast. Yeah, there's probably the somebody sitting in a in a bush with like shooting off blanks Just while fl- while all the right. people dressed up as clowns were around. <laughs> it was really messing yeah. with people. Just groups of two man teams. Yeah. So, <laughs> you want to sign up next year? One shotgunner and one clown. Yeah, <laughs> a shotgunner and a clown. Yep. That's the way to go. Oh. That's ridiculous. So yeah, that. That one's pretty straightforward. Fifi, poor. It's poor, sort of, poor it's sort guy. of the classic like true crime, like true crime story turned ghost story. Right. right. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Which I guess the I guess the first one is too. Yeah. If you well, buy yeah. the story of like the lawyer that committed suicide in the house. And then I mean, yeah. If the, if that's its actual sort of. origin or whatever, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, the resident was pretty sure it was the devil, so... You know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. That's that's true. <laughs> Alright, so I want to get into the one I definitely liked the most. Was the Mistletoe Bride. Yeah. Yeah, I love this one. And this one's just awful. But at yeah, the same time... It sure is. That's what makes it so great. Yeah. Agreed. It's This one is classic... Classic English ghost story. Like from the countryside yeah like from the english countryside it's yeah it's a classic ghost story i don't know what and terrible what kind of like tradition it is for the best man to steal the bride but that sounds like a no-no yeah (laughs) it's that's yeah that's a classic classic english tradition they still do it today the husband's supposed to catch them in the act no, he doesn't go off and have sex with her. He <laughs> I, just I mean, runs away with her. It depends on how you look at like, it or interpret it. I guess how close the three of them are. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the tradition is the best man grabs the bride and they run out of the room together and go hide somewhere in the house. And then the 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 uh, groom is supposed to find her. That's just weird. I don't know. I find that weird. I think it came about in the days of like you had this big ass mansion or castle to go hide in and it was just like a fun game of hide and seek. Right. As like a celebration, like part of the revelry. Yeah. Like it would make the most sense if it was like everybody stay here while the bride goes and hides. And now the husband and his his groom, you know, his like wedding party have yeah. to go and find her. Right. That would make but a lot part of more the fun sense. Is the best man teasing the groom like you have you know you have a bride but can you ever find her and you know what i mean like he's supposed to be in on where she is so he can like egg him on while he's looking i mean that's fair yeah that's fair i just i don't know to me it just seems seems weird i mean i don't see anyone doing it now in america (laughs) (laughs) i mean like so so (laughs) This is where I, I got a little a little confused, though. So he's, like, leading her, but all of a sudden she's leading him? Yeah, she gets excited. 
and she runs ahead of him. Okay. Like, he has the lead at first, but she's, like, getting really into right. it, and she takes off in front of him. And then all of a sudden, she's just And then when she goes gone. around a corner... Yep. They break hands, she goes around a corner, and she vanishes. And then, this as if this door just appears from nowhere and then disappears for 50 years... Could it have been just That's the idea? Just a door that like nobody ever went into, so nobody ever realized. Like he, maybe the husband didn't even realize it was there because you yep, know, in a, ma- a mansion, I'm sure you're not going to go into many of these places all the time or yeah, ever. Absolutely, right? Yep. That's yeah. I mean, that's a solid point because like there, are, I want to get the the size on this house. He said it was I like 50-some thousand exactly. square feet. Yeah. And it's that's insane. 57,000 57, square foot mansion sitting on 260 acres. That's a castle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it, that's like Downton Abbey, essentially. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty damn big. Yeah, it's 260 acres is a town. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, legitimately. Mm-hmm. That's, like, probably close to the size of the town I live in. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fair. At least half. That's at least half the size of the town I live in. Like, it's a lot. That's that's an estate. Absolutely. But I feel like if that was the case, if this was a door that nobody ever went into, the whole month that they tried to search for, I'm sure somebody would have found it. I mean, 57,000 square feet. It it would it might take longer than a month to go in every room. Well, true. You know what I mean? Especially yeah, if, if it's just some up, like out of the way little closet. If it's some out of the way little closet on the third floor, like definitely people could have just walked by that door a yeah. hundred times while they were looking for her, and not even thought about that's, it. That's true. That's true. If it's some like little under the stairs Harry Potter door, mm-hmm. that's what you I know was what just I mean? thinking. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, 50 years later, he's just like, I'm going to go look for her one more time. Yeah, because he looked for her every year. Every, like, every year around Christmas, he would just walk the halls looking for her again. Because he was convinced that she was, that she was lost in the house. He was well, a bit of a crazy person. Hopefully clearly. she was able to like, find this really food. Fucked him and, up. Well, of course. Yeah. I think it, I think it would be enough to leave a lasting impression on anyone yeah i mean he was a young man right just married he's probably super happy right and then boom immediate tragedy so yeah i could see that kind of like whiplash trauma being pretty long lasting yeah you know oh without a doubt yeah yeah it's it's pretty crazy it's a crazy story and this is of the four this one is the most legendary like this one has become legend Right. Um, like the the tale first appeared in a poem by Samuel Rogers entitled Ginevra, 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 in his book called Italy in 1822. In um in his notes about the work, Rogers, the author, states, "Quote: The story is, I believe, founded on fact, though the time and the place are uncertain. Many old houses lay claim to it." So okay. it's sort of it's one of those stories that have been like passed passed around so much that the the exact details have kind of 
fallen by the way so yeah I, I mean that makes sense this is this is what 1727 is essentially yeah. yep 18th give century, or take right sure. yeah so yeah i'm sure you know there's there's one of these in every random country either you know countryside or this you know whatever small town or you know yeah, these. it's like we talk about urban legends all right. the time in america this is sort of the uk's version of urban legends is these really old tales from the countryside yeah there's no exact details on it's just kind of like the story has been molded to fit the situation necessary for the storytelling right over and over again right so if you have like a big spooky house and you're trying to tell a spooky tale, then you tell the people you're telling the story to that it happened in that house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In this very estate. Yeah. So it, it gets all mixed up over time. Yeah. Um, the popularity of the story, the popularity of the story grow, grew a lot when it appeared as a song in the 1830s. And the song was called The Mistletoe Bow. Um, written by T.H. Bailey and uh, Sir Henry Bishop. The song pro- the song became super popular in 1859. It's, uh, quote, solemn chanting. There's like a whole section. Uh, was referred to as a national occurrence at Christmas in English households. And by 1862, the song was referred to as, quote, one of the most popular songs ever written, which must be known by heart by many readers. Well... Like, yeah. So the song, the story really was passed mostly in the modern era through this song that became like a normal Christmas, like, song Hmm. that you would like, everyone sort of could like, you could hum the melody and people would recognize it. Sort of like, I don't know, like Yankee Doodle Dandy. Or Jingle Bells. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Silent Night. Like you Santa Claus coming to town. <laughs> oh, Christmas tree. Right. Oh, and a manger. Oh, Christmas tree. All right. Give me your uh, give me your opinion on Christmas music. I love Christmas music. Ryan, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I get so tired of people complaining about Christmas music. I fucking love it. I mean, yeah. I look, I look forward to it every year. I still I like to listen. I still like to listen to my normal music too. But yeah, sure. I mean, you have to listen to Christmas music around Christmas. You put on some Christmas music while you're like baking cookies and shit. Yeah, I'm not gonna go like right? away on a summer vacation and rock out to some, you know, Jingle <laughs> Bell Rock. But Noel <laughs> <laughs> on a cruise ship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They have Christmas cruises, right? Have you considered yeah. doing a Christmas cruise? Uh, I mean, next year I'm doing a. Well, we actually looked at doing a New Year's New Year's cruise, and that was they're stupid expensive. I bet. So I'm doing one at the end of November next year. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Right between the two winters. Yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> right. We'll have yeah. a little bit, a little taste of winter, and then I'll go away and have a nice summer yeah, again. Exactly. Then I'll come back to freezing cold again. Yeah, it'll be miserable by the time you get back. Right. Oh, man. So, one more thing about this story. Yeah. The Mistletoe Bride. Um, the story is part of the, you know, the Hitchcock movie Rope, right? That's like classic 
classic horror where the guy um, doesn't realize that he'd murdered his friend, his classmate, and then he finds the body in a chest in the room, right? Okay. So okay. yeah, yeah. The story in in the movie, this the the main character Brandon Shaw, he's actually telling the story of the mistletoe bride, and okay, he's standing right in front of the chest that he later finds his friend in while he's telling the story. <laughs> so it's like it's a little like foreshadowing built in there, very Alfred Hitchcock style. Bits of irony. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That was a cool little little nugget that I, I mean, found. Yeah, that's cool. A little uh almost Easter eggy thing. Yeah. To an for extent. sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think out of out of L4, this is definitely my favorite for sure. Yeah. Because I also just I think about opening up that chest and just finding this this poor poor woman has been, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Just withered Still away has to, the sprig of mistletoe in her hair. She's nothing but skin and bones. Oh, no, not even skin. Just bones. Yeah. Her little bony knees. <laughs> That's a bummer. All right, so Alcatraz. Yeah, Alcatraz. Before we get started, I would be remiss as a fan of Last Podcast on the Left if I didn't say Alcatraz means pelican. <laughs> it's important. Well, the more the more you know. Um, I love this story. I love, like, Haunted Alcatraz in general. It's, like, one of my favorite. We'll have to, like, we'll cover Alcatraz fully at some point on the show. Yeah. Like, the full history of it. Because that place is, like, from true crime to hauntings, it covers the full fucking range. Like, so much shit has gone on in that place. I mean... All the escape attempts and shit, it would be so fun to cover. It It just has such a brutal history. Yeah. So, Absolutely yeah. brutal. Maybe we'll have to make another Speaking seven part, part series on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. I'll do oh, a six geez. part series on Alcatraz. I'll write that shit up today. <laughs> it's one of my favorite spots. I, okay. I love it. As far as like haunted locations go, that's like, yeah. that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Haunted prisons in general, I really like, but Alcatraz is like just look, you can look at it from a distance I mean, and yeah. it's ominous. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so I love it. it's just so well known. And so well known because of how rough and how yeah. how many like terrible, terrible people were there. Yeah. Just everything. Yeah. The worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. And like just the look of the like seaside prison. The like the bars are all like crusted in salt. And like oh, it's just it's such a compelling visual. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. And what just what better spot for like an insane prison than yeah. and on this little fucking <laughs> yeah. rocky island. Yeah. In the freezing ass San Francisco Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know you're never gonna make it out alive if you happen to escape. Yep. Unless yeah. you have a boat waiting they, for I mean, you. Yeah, they nailed it. It was the perfect place mm-hmm. to build a fucking maximum security as close as we got to max security back then right prison they should just Um, reopen it yeah (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) so anyhow on speaking of its brutal history so one of the prison's forms of punishment 
was a super dark cell on the bottom, right? So the cell was completely pitch black, and there was absolutely no light in it, ever, no matter the time of day. Yeah. Prisoners who misbehaved were put into this cell for as much as a fortnight, so 20 fucking days in this cell. Um, That's enough to make you go crazy. Exactly. The horror of this punishment is that it often drove the prisoners mad, causing them to hallucinate. Right? Yeah. So many prisoners used to scream that there was something in the room with them, and the guards would just laugh it off. One person uh, was found dead after after it was in there, and many people have blamed this on one of the ghosts in Alcatraz. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, I think it's possible, for sure. You don't know what yeah. lurks in the dark. You're, I, I mean, if it's if it's so dark... There's never never any form of light. Even if your eyes adjust, there's still... All you're seeing is black. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, any normal person would go crazy. Yeah. As fucked as my, as fucked as my imagination is, I think I, I, would count, <clears throat> I would count on myself to start hallucinating within a half hour. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I don't, I don't like pure dark anyway. Yeah. I just can't do it. Yep. That to, that to me, I would, yeah. I used to sleep in, like, coffin darkness. No way. Like, I had to have pitch black, no, not a sound in the room. No, that's how I liked to sleep for years. I don't like that. And then a couple years ago, I started, like, just... And it's amazing how, like, your habits can turn on a dime like this, but, like... One night, I fell asleep watching some stupid fucking cooking show. It was like Kitchen Nightmares or something like yeah. that. Some Gordon Ramsay show. And from that night on, I couldn't fall asleep without the TV on. Yeah. Oh, same. Like, if the TV, like, times out or shuts off in the middle of the night, like, whatever yeah. I'm watching stops playing, so, you know, it shuts off due to an activity, it wakes me up. And that's, so I have to turn wild. it back on, that. and then I go right back to sleep, I'm or I sit and watch it, TV for a while. But yeah, it literally wakes me up. I can't do pure I usually, pure darkness at all. I usually wake up to it off because that's actually one of my favorite things about the Apple TV is like once it goes inactive, I think it's like a half an hour or something. If it just sits on a menu yeah. idle, it just turns the it turns it off. Well, like I used to be, I but, used to be okay making sure I at least fell asleep to it being on, but I'd set a timer for like three or four hours or whatever. Yeah. And then that was okay. But now like it goes off. I wake up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's just weird how much that changes, but yeah, mm-hmm. I can't imagine I would, I would go yeah. crazy. Oh, me I too. would definitely start seeing things in a half hour. Yeah. I, like I, it's terrifying. And you know, we've talked a lot about how hallucinating something and it actually being there in the long run is one it's the just same. as real right right yeah so like who's to say that the whatever's haunting that cell wasn't the thing they were imagining right you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah and if you're fucking terrified and trapped in this black room and like yeah you could have a heart attack you could stroke out you could i most certainly easily. would you could go crazy enough to just like bash your head against the wall enough times to fucking do yourself in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lay there and bleed out before they come in to give you, you know, your next 
I don't know. I assume they fed them. I hope. But maybe not. Yeah. A fortnight without food, I think that's a death sentence. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, getting getting into the story. So, this was Christmas of 1943. Yep. And, what, so morale had been down or something, so he, the warden just decides to throw a party? Yeah, it's, um... Winter is tough for even for the guards I mean, out yeah, on that, that island because it's fucking brutal. The weather is super brutal, well, of right? Course. So, yeah. So, yeah, he decides to throw a Christmas party to sort of like boost morale among the the staff, mm-hmm. and it goes well for a while until they get into the tradition of telling ghost stories, right? Around the uh, the old Ben Franklin stove that's warming the room, yeah, and. um yeah, and these two guards tell a story of a ghost that they saw personally on their cell block. And so it wasn't just like a tale again. that they were telling. It was like no, they were a just telling account. about it. Okay, yep. So I was wondering, like, so if you speak his name, he appears, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe, maybe if you tell the story, he shows up. Okay. I'll let you know. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so they all, they see this guy and they just book it. And then none of them think to like grab their coats on the way out. Yeah, I think I would scared. at least like, if, if my coat is right there, I'd probably grab it. At least as I'm running out. If I know think, I'm right? running out into like, you know, the snow or cold, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, but also would, if it's like a group of people all trying to cram through the door at once and fair. get out of there. You don't want to be the last style. one. No. You no. never want to be the last you one out, don't. but you don't want to be the first. You never know. I suppose so. You know. Yeah. You never know what's out there waiting on you. Exactly. So you always want to be like second or third. Yeah. That's a good Middle spot. Of the pack. Yep. Yeah. That's the safe spot. So. But yeah, that's. That's sort of my sort of my favorite part of the story is this visual of the door hanging open and like they're so afraid to go back in the room that like it hangs open long enough for snow to like pile up in the doorway yeah. before anyone will come back in the room. So even though that's where their coats are. I was going to say do <laughs> do any of them actually go back and get their coats? Yeah, they did eventually. Okay. They eventually, like, got up the nerve to go back in the room. So Mutton Chops was gone by that point? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I suppose so. He just appears when you call his name? You rang. That's also a very... That's also a very old-school ghost story aspect is, like, they're not outwardly violent right. or they're not, like, attacking. They just show just up materializes enough to spook people. Right there and... Then, and- yeah. Like, why not be like, nope. we were just talking about you, man. He's yeah, like, exactly. shit, bud, thanks. <laughs> and then they slam like 10 shots and all just go to sleep. Keeping the dream alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's, we've talked a lot about that too, right? The like proper way to handle a haunting is just be friendly with it. Yeah. Unless, depending I don't think they were, on. They were up for that. Yeah. If you feel an immediate threat, then you know, you're not you're just like, hey, bud, hand five me. Right. Like the guy who's bigger than you at the movie theater but won't stop talking, and you're just like, it's okay. Your conversation's better than the movie. <laughs> you go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But he's the first one to scream if, like, you know, there's a jump scare. Yeah. There's a jump scare. Yep. Yep. Precisely. <clears throat> but yeah, I like the visual. That's though. when you know you can. Yeah, me too. Me too. I like the. Um, I I mean, Alcatraz is just packed with cool visuals anyway. Mm-hmm. So there was a um, our favorite '90s ghost show sightings did uh, did an episode on Alcatraz back in '92. I'm absolutely certain they did. Yeah. And uh, several of the Park Service staff confirmed the haunted history of Alcatraz, right? Obviously. That's well, what yeah. makes the show. Um, many rangers had experienced unexplainable crashing sounds, cell doors mysteriously closing, unearthly screams, and intense feelings of being watched. <clears throat> Classic. Yep. Um, they sightings called the on feeling. psychic investigator. <laughs> it's unshakable. Sightings called on psychic investigator Peter James to walk through portions of the abandoned prison to get his impressions. James began to pick up on the voices of the tortured souls driven mad since its inception as a prison. He also sensed unusual vibrations of abuse, mistreatment, fear, and pain. Shocker. What a hot take there, Peter James. I was going to say, like, this is just all, like, common knowledge. Yeah. I feel... His, apparently... (laughs) I feel like people had a rough time here. Something I bad just... really went on here. There were, I'm, <laughs> I'm sensing a lot of bad negative energy. There was, I bet there were some really angry people here. People, I don't know. They they seem like they were trapped. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't pinpoint it, but they just they couldn't get, they can't get out. And they wanted to so desperately. <laughs> I'm sensing a lot of water. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. They were they were just really uncomfortable. I hear echoes, screams, stuck. yelling, lots of <laughs> lots of swearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. His overall impression of Alcatraz was that it had an energy like no other he had ever experienced. Yeah, well, a I've, persistent I've... and overwhelming intensity that engulfed the island. Because no shit. Yeah, Peter James. Yeah, I'm sure you that could. was my favorite thing. If you go, if you go back and watch episodes of Sightings, it's that's exactly how it always was. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's absolutely cheesy. Yeah, it's super cheesy. Like, there, there's always this thing in every episode where they go over the history of the the house, mm-hmm. you know, and then the psychic talks about what he feels, like, and it lines up perfectly with the history of the house. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, there was like in 1885, a young girl was killed in the back bedroom and then her father hung himself in the living room and then it'll go, I mean, shamelessly cut straight to the psychic standing in the living room. Like I'm sensing a very sad male energy in this room. I I see a little girl (laughs) and she's just, I, I can't. I, I, it just oh. makes me feel sad. It feels almost like it feels almost like this male energy is mourning the loss of someone close to it. I don't. I don't know. You don't fucking know, Peter. <laughs> we just heard. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty silly. Yeah, for sure. But that's a. Like we talked about the horror movies, the shitty horror movies. I actually I love watching those old episodes, even though they're. 
total pieces of shit. Right, yeah. Like <laughs> they're they're awful. But I I get a lot of joy out of how like silly and hokey it is. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's just yeah. like you know I'm I've wa- I've watched a few of them over the last couple of years as we've been doing this show, uh, and just it it's just silly. It's silly, but yeah. it's it was at that time where people ate that shit up. So, you know, yeah, it's true. But it's another rem- what was the um, reminder of like how cheesy the those quote unquote psychics are that they bring in and these types of like yeah. investigations and stuff. Like, yep, that's what you gotta. I've I've said it a hundred times if I've said it once. Like. You, you have to remember with those like mainstream ghost shows mm-hmm. like the travel channel type shit that those people are actors first and paranormal investigators yeah. second yep yep like yep. all of them it's that's just how it is it's that's why they're so that's why the shows are so popular because they're fucking they're um they're casted just like a sitcom is. You know what I mean? The same way they cast fucking Real Housewives, right? It's they just pick people for the show and they play their roles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's why you're just gonna have a to, lot of people really buy into those. Just it's all entertainment. Yeah, for sure. And it's okay. It's okay to be. I yeah. watch those the same way I watch like a a movie. You know what I mean? Like, and you get. You, it's a little more than that because you get some cool like historic tidbits here and there about right. like the actual story of the. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the experience that the team has in the building, like that's theater, man. It is. It's it is, yeah. And it's fun theater, but it's theater mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Well, I have like a thousand, more like a dozen, but a, like random stories from Alcatraz, but. Honestly, I think I'll save that for when we cover Alcatraz. Yeah, that'd like, be awesome. We, yeah, I think this was super fun, and I think I personally, and I think we as a show, greatly support the idea of bringing back the Christmas ghost story yeah, as a tradition. I'm into it. I'm into it. I think I think it's a good idea. Like I said, I mean, I've never really thought about the fact that I, I like to find like you know holiday or christmas horror movies and stuff is kind of like a tradition sort of thing yeah but i think that just goes along with my love of horror and for sure i I really dig the idea of just doing you know it being a tradition of telling scary stories uh you know anything just related to the holidays or christmas or yeah the like i think it goes it goes along with the season i think so you know it makes sense to me because especially if you remove all the like all the capitalist stuff, the like commercials and the like finery and all that. And just think about like the actual time of year. It is the time that everything is dead. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's when everything has died and it's waiting for rebirth in the spring. So like it is a dark time, like emotionally and physically, it literally gets dark Mm -hmm. more, (laughs) gets dark earlier, you know? Yeah. But like also, emotionally it's a dark people do a seasonal depression in the winter because i think that like that darkness creeps in no matter what you do yeah that's without a doubt so express some you know here we Tell go a spooky story turn it into something positive honestly get your family around a fucking fireplace 
no matter what you're going to talk about, just at some point this season, just sit down and talk. Like, yeah. it's so hard these days, like, to actually get everyone engaged in a single conversation. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you can get that, that's that's a gift right there. Yeah. Like, just having that, even for 15 minutes to hear a fun, spooky story. Keep your, you know, get your faces away from your screens. Yeah. Get it on those around you. That's right. <laughs> Put your face on people. That's the real message here. <laughs> if that's one thing to take, if there's one thing to take away from this episode, just put your face on others. Come on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I think with that, <laughs> that yep. concludes episode 127 Haunted Holidays. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust in the unknown. unknown.